0: Losing control can be a scary time, it can be an embarrassing time, and it can have dramatic consequences. So, a few years back, I, I had a Toyota Corolla, it was my first car, and I was at a Bible study group that was kind of in the bush area, and I had this gravel driveway. And I'm a young man, you know what it's like with a lead foot, you know, mm-hmm. just the stupid hormones that are running through you. So I'm going down this gravel driveway, and I think, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do a fishtail here, yes. it's just you know, let's rip it out, get the gravel flying. So I go to do the, the fishtail in my Toyota Corolla, um, and I just lose control. It just the the back kicks out further. So what do I do? I try to overcompensate, and I turn the other way. So then I fishtail the other way, and I kid you not, there's not a single tree around at all, except for one, one tree, and it's only about the the thickness of my hand here. That's it, that's as big as it is. What's the chances that I would run into it? 100% because it's my luck. So I'm fishtailing and I just slam into this tree. My car is actually total. I just crumple it, yeah, total. And I have the embarrassing situation now because this is the end of um, you know, community group. I, I have to walk up the long driveway and they're like, oh, what are you doing back here, Joel? Uh, yeah, totaled my car, um, and, and that just—it it wasn't a good experience. Um, and by God's grace, I wasn't injured in any way, except for my dignity and my pride. Um, but it's—it's it's so much. It's illustrative of of times in our lives where we we feel in control. One moment, and the next moment, we're like that vehicle, just spinning out of control. We've lost control of the wheel. We might try to overcompensate and steer the other way to try to bring our lives back into the direction, but that can actually sometimes have the opposite effect. It just careens us off in a different direction or we might try to hold on too tight with what we had and we we just feel the impact of the change the dramatic change in our life you know whether that's being the introduction of a third child into your family or whether that be the um, introduction of a new boss who is not as kind and good as your last boss. And that sense of control is ripped away from you and you try to wrestle it back. Uh, It might be um, a whole range of things. The thing is, there's so many variables in life and we just cannot prepare for them. And the thing with control is, is that when you've lost it, you will do whatever it takes to get it back. Um, And there's a temptation for us to think that we want to... Have our lives organised in such a way that we never lose control. We're always in some way in control. Whether that be organised chaos. You know, there's, there's staff members at my school, their desk is just overflowing with material and, you know, your home, it might be, you have stuff everywhere. And, you know, it's creative artistic licence. And that's great. That's organised control, um, disorganised control for you. Um, or you might be someone who has, you know, your desk. You can't sit down to do your master's thesis until you know everything's lined up, your pen's perfectly positioned, and you've got your laptop there, and there's no obs- nothing around it, nothing to obstruct the clarity of your screen, and those thoughts that are going to flow. <laughs> that might be you, and that's your form of control. Um, so it might look different, but at the end of the day, we all want to feel a sense of security, comfort in controlling our environment. But the reality is, is life isn't like that. Um, As I mentioned some of those examples before, it is an inevitability that control will continuously be threatened and challenged in our lives. You know, whether it's the fact that we've come out of a COVID period and, you know, that COVID period was so unsettling, new rhythms of work, new rhythms of of family dynamics, being in the home with family 24-7. I had the blessing of having a backyard, but I could only imagine what that would have been like for parents who were in a flat, a unit. Could you imagine that? Maybe that was you. Um, or, you know, the the fact that the ep- the pandemic, or sorry, epidemic came to a close, pandemic, uh, came to a close and, you know, we were thrust then back into... So many social events. I don't know if any of you guys found this, but it was almost the opposite. It was too much. We went from nothing to too much. And the lockdown's ended. We've kind of got back some sort of rhythm. You're not having to walk around with masks anymore. Where We're able to go to work. Some of us in different capacities, a new sort of norm is kind of established. But it doesn't end there, does it? On a societal level. Russia declares its war... Uh, special military operation in Ukraine, upsetting global supply chains which were already fragile due to COVID, which has led to increased pressure upon an already stressed system, financial system, resource system. And due to the financial and monetary policies that were put in place during COVID, this has resulted in a recipe of inflation, global inflation. And it's causing stress globally. So we see on a macro level that this global situation is is in a bit of a flux, there's a lack of control there. And governments are desperately trying to get it under control. But if we bring it down more on a personal level, this has implications for us. Interest rates, you guys with mortgages, interest rates have gone up and they keep going up. They're climbing and climbing and climbing. And I read this article from the ABC this week. It said, Australians feeling the sting of inflation, rising interest rates, could soon face a recession. Oh, yeah, that, that, that's all right in the sense that, you know, this, we can handle that. But then it goes on to say, and more pain. <laughs> a little hyphen there makes such a difference. And more pain. And that's the thing. Lack of control results in pain. It's painful. You know, you're, you're physically, with high interest rates, maybe having to make calls about, you know, Am I going to take my wife out to a date this, this week? Or do we need to save, put that cash away in case an emergency comes up, like I get a flat tire and I have to pay for that? You know, there's, there's choices. The thing is, uh, you know, this ever-dynamic situation, it leaves us scrambling, desperately trying to find control. And if if we don't come to the wisdom of Scripture, that's where we will stay. We will try... To get that control back, and at times you will get it back, but it's always at risk of being undermined again by some situation that's out of our control. Variables, chance. We can't control them all, that's the reality. Um, even this week, as I mentioned the flat tie. You know, I was, um, Jamie pulls up and she says, Oh, uh, to the gym, is, is this right? And my the back tie is totally flat. <laughs> uh, and no, that's not right. Um, yeah, and the tire is ba- barely old at all. It's like maybe a few months old. And tires are expensive. It's just like, oh, really? So then I had to, I had to change it. And you just go. We looked like a homeless family on the side of the road. I'm, I'm changing the tire. Um, so I inflated at the petrol station, and it looked all fine. And I, I knew it was going to go flat, but I had to change it at school. So I'm at school changing this flat tire back boot stuff all on the side of the road. I've got my wife on the side of the road with Trent and the kids are running around. That's just, yeah. You know, period one. I could have used that time for prep, but I'm changing the tyre. And throughout the day, kids are like, what's happened to your back? I just had to lie on the back to jack up the car. So, you know, you just can't account for these things, right? You cannot account for these things. Oh, good, good. I'm glad, I'm glad you do. I'm glad you do. And that's that's another thing about control, isn't it? We we can look at other people's lives and go, "Man, they're so out of control." I'm so glad I'm not like them. <laughs> but the reality is, isn't it, that at any point you can become like them? That's what Riley might drive out of here. his a little gloating before. Next thing you know, he's got two punctures—not one, but two—and he's got four children. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, the, the point is, right, guys, we, um, we, we cannot, we cannot account for it. It can happen at any time. Now, worldly wisdom says, you know, you just do your best with what you've got. You try your hardest. But that's all based on some assumptions that the chance things that happen in life aren't too bad. That the, the chance things in life are manageable and you can press through them. They may not be manageable. You might have an accident and you're left... You're left um, paralyzed. You might have the diagnosis that you have got bowel cancer and and we don't know how long you're going to live. Or some other form of situation where it just, it takes your life and it spins it out of control. But we're going to see today from the book of Ecclesiastes that on the surface, from the reality from what we see in front of us, there are things that we cannot control. There are too many variables. Chance is a reality of life. But when we go above the sun, when we look above the temporal realities of our existence here, we see that God is in control. He is ultimately sovereign. He is the one that can take those variables and give you security, comfort and control in the knowledge that he ultimately has control and your salvation is guaranteed and secured in him. So that's what I want us to look at as we continue to explore Ecclesiastes. But uh, before we continue seeking God's wisdom, let's, let's pray. Heavenly Father, although there are challenges that are pressing in on each of us at the moment, whether that be family, financial, whether that be the pressures of work expectations, study expectations, the pressures that can just be innumerable at times, and we just wonder how we're going to get through. May this time just be cleared away, the path made clear and open so that we can walk down your words in the book of ecclesiastes and come out refreshed recharged with the knowledge that you are the god who is sovereign and in control no matter what situations might come our way and make us feel out of control in your name amen all right so we're going to look at ecclesiastes chapter 9:11 again and it says so if you want to look at ecclesiastes 9:11 the race is not to the swift nor the battle to the strong, nor the bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge, but time and chance happen to them all. Now, as men, we are hardwired to protect and provide. This is our instinct. It is our desire to make sure that we are protecting and providing by managing our environment, managing the circumstances around us, And yet, as we've mentioned, there are too many variables. Now, society preaches another narrative. It says, no, um, you can actually have self-mastery. You can be the man, self-made man. You just got to work hard enough. You got to be committed enough. You got to have that drive and grit, and you will get there. It says, you know, destiny, this path that you are on is your path. Go for it. Totally ignoring the reality that there are other people involved in our path. Other people who may not want us to achieve our objectives. Other people who are going to get in the way of our ability to be able to get where we want to go. Or the reality that our environment is ultimately uncontrollable. We can't. There's just too much, too many things to account for. So we cannot make this equation that if I put in this input, I'm guaranteed to get this output. There's no correlation there. That's not how it works. That's not how it works. There is no formula for guaranteed success. There is paths, as Proverbs teaches us, that lead inclined to paths of success. Um, You know, raise your children up in the fear of the Lord as they're young and they will not depart from those paths. But we know tragically of many minister's sons who've lost their way and no longer following the lord even though they were trained with integrity we just you just cannot come to the false equation that i put in i'm expected to get such output and that guards us from disappointment and we read the race is not to the swift now ordinarily the race is to the swift if you train hard if you put in the hard work you wake up early at five o'clock in the morning, you go do your swimming every day during work, even though you're missing out on lunchtime, then you should get faster. You should be better. You should be swift and the race should be yours. You know, we watch movies like Hustle or, um, you know, other movies where they, they show these people who are put in that hard work. They go from, they're rock bottom. They might be... Um, living in, you know, housing commission they, they just don't have anything going for them But they put in that hard work They go for it And then they become the next NBA superstar Or, you know, the Sydney, the Sydney um, cricket team Kings, you know, whatever <laughs> Don't do sports yeah. I'm trying, okay No, actually I have a place for sports um, Well, there goes my next analogy um, LAUGHTER but I will press on anyway, because despite the lack of control, I know God's in control. Um, and I was going to say, like, uh, anyone with the World Cup 2022, uh, Argentina won. Um, they should have won. They're a very good team. Um, but I don't know if anyone watched. Did anyone watch the game with Saudi Arabia? So there was a game with Saudi Arabia ranked 51 in the world. 51. Argentina, remember, they're the ones who are going to win the World Cup. They won the World Cup. They got Messi, arguably one of the best players. Um, debatable. Debatable. Never got to see the, the match with Ronaldo. But anyway. Um, and yet... So Argentina is winning for the first 45 minutes. Like, they're, they're doing great. And then... Unbelievably, um, two goals kicked... I'm not even going to try to pronounce their names because I will get them wrong. But two from the Saudi side, side kick goals, and they actually end up being the winners. What an upset. Now, if you listen to Messi, you know, he talks about, you know, the team could have done this and done that and, you know, taking control of it. But look, they would have, it's not like they were sitting around and not, not training and, and being mentally prepared and coming up with strategies. It's just the chance of it. The ball went in the right place. The kicks happened to be projected at the right speed and angle. That's just what happened. But just the race is not necessarily to the swift. That's the reality. Now, watching sport upsets, like... um, I'm going to use another one. Um, Steve Bradbury, the guy ice skating, everyone falls down. You know, they're fun. They're good to watch. Or at least a, a game where, you know, there's a competitive fight and... You know, one team comes on top of the other. That's great. We love it. And so we should. But it's another matter if it's your life and you have worked hard. That is another matter. You have worked hard on that project and then you're told, I'm sorry, but we can't renew your contract. The company just doesn't have enough money. And you've just come out of a period of unemployment for a few months. And you know that when you go back into unemployment, you're going to go into depression. It's going to be a difficult time that is that is hard that is a difficult thing to have, but God in his providential protection, even though he may not give us the the race, even though we might have done the hard preparation, we may have been the swift, that sometimes his providential blessing is good so for example, I had um, a teaching job up in up in um, Maitland area, and yeah, it's and I had another another contract lined up as well, and um, I was teaching at the school, and the contract didn't end up getting renewed. it Just didn't didn't happen, and then I, I went to this other school that said you know they would have a contract because I had already said I'd, I'd go with the other one, and they said oh no, so that's no longer available. So I went from two opportunities to nothing, and I thought you know, I was just going to have to get back to looking for work. So I looked for work, job, 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 job. I wasn't getting anything. Um, I, I had a, a good resume. I, I had experience. But God in his providential grace ended up moving us back to Sydney where we didn't want to go. Uh, we, we were enjoying life up there in Maitland. We had a good community up there. But God in his goodness, in his timing, brought us here to this church, I believe, to be encouraged and equipped and strengthened with you gents. With you gents. That's what keeps us here in Sydney. And, you know, that's God's providential providential, um, working out in our lives. So even though you may have put in that hard work to get that career position and you are overlooked by a minor matter or some experience that's slightly more than you, know that even though you may be the swift one, that God in his goodness has passed over you for his good reason, as difficult as that may be. We read the next section if you look here. There's a whole string of analogies to kind of really get the point across. No matter the amount of competencies you have, the training and skills you have, it is still, humanly speaking, dependent upon chance. That's the reality. You know, we've got the battle of the strong. We've got... um, nor bread to the wise, riches to the intelligent, nor favor to those with knowledge. These are people with skill. These are people with ability. These are people who've put in the hard work and they're not rewarded for it. The battle to the strong. Nor the battle to the strong. Now, I think of, you know, a great analogy of this. It's an idiom, a David and Goliath moment. It's from the Bible. And the reason they use this is because it's a situation in which the weaker person the one with the less um, resources defeats a much larger more dominant stronger force who ought to crush the opposition a David and Goliath moment and I talk about that sometimes with you know a case in law oh we're gonna this is a David versus Goliath moment you know but they've won, and the lawyers come out on top it's because why do we why do we Raise these up as great illustrations, and, and you know, really praise David and Goliath moments, because they don't normally happen. They're the exception, uh, rather than the rule, because normally the battle goes to the strong. That's the way it goes, um, and that's why, if you see in using the Goliath analogy, uh, when Goliath is out and he's challenging the children of Israel, we read in verse eleven uh, in Sam, um, Saul. And all Israel heard these words of the Philistine and they were Philistine, and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Why? Because they knew they were outmatched and outcome. Goliath was a nine foot behemoth and they were terrified of that because the battle usually goes to the strong. And, you know, we can try in our lives to try to be prepared to be financially strong saving up those years, uh, you know, saving up our hard-earned money, you know, putting that into our financial strength. And then out of nowhere comes one emergency after another, whether it be the flat tyre, whether it be you're driving along the highway and then all of a sudden your car engine stops working and it's smoke coming out of it and it turns out there's water in one cylinder. Or whether it be the fact that... um, you're you're doing your work and you you just make one mistake. It's just a critical error for whatever reason. Your child was laid up at night and they were crying and you just didn't get asleep and you make one critical error and it was just at that crunch point. You know, 99% of the time it wouldn't matter if you made a mistake but this is the one time where it matters and you make that one mistake even though you were in a strong position. But it's in those moments where our weakness can be exposed. The battle does not necessarily go to the strong. You know, we might be pressing into our career. We might be getting strong, you know, building up skills, learning, getting that education. And then for whatever reason, um, as you go to apply for the the job uh, with your new skills or honing in your skills for the job that you have, and... And it just doesn't work out. There's variables that you can't account for. Your your boss is actually horrible and terrible. And they break you psychologically. Because they bully you and they treat you with unkindness. And you don't actually want to go back and work in that field again. Battle is not necessarily to the strong. And we've all known, we know men who've woken up one morning... They're physically fit. They're strong. And in an instant, they can have a life-threatening illness diagnosed. In an instant. We've seen it in our church community. An instant where all of that strength they thought they had is ripped away from underneath them. These verses are here to shield us against false expectation that things will go our way all of the time. They're here to shield us from disappointment when things don't go our way. Chance is a reality of life, chance. It is a reality of life. We can do things to be wise, to build our strength. But at the end of the day, at any point, it can be snatched away from us, ripped away from us. And it's in those moments, where do we turn? Do we remain underneath the sun in the, the temporal space of this world? Or do we go above the sun Do we go to the son of God in this moment, knowing where he says, cast all your burdens on me? Do we go to the son who by the father's grace was sent so that that lack of strength in of ourselves due to the weakness of sin is paid for and covered that nothing can touch your soul? You are set free from having to struggle in strength, but instead come in that humble weakness to God saying, I am weak and I need you. Not just in this situation where I have no control, but a humble dependence and realisation that we are in all situations, in all times, weak and powerless and needing God's strength and grace. That's where we turn. <laughs> Have a look again at the next section you' nor bread to the wise, nor riches to the intelligent, nor favour to those with knowledge. These illustrate the same point, uh, that, that despite preparation, despite natural ability and skills, it is not a guarantee. You might invest your finances at the crest of the stock market very top and and then it doesn't look like the market's going to improve anytime soon for the reasons mentioned and what you realise is you actually need that money now you need the money now in the very near future because you've got some expenses you have to pay and it's going to cost you thousands if you sell you cannot account for that wisdom intelligence Knowledge, ordinarily, these are things that would guarantee success. And Proverbs talks about how these are paths. There are paths to take that, if you generally follow them, lead to good life and prosperity. Now, as Christians, we know we have to temper that with also the reality of texts in 1 Peter that talk about suffering as well. But there are paths that you take that lead in a direction of success and prosperity. That is the the way God has designed it whether it's not necessarily the case. There's this glitch in the system from our human, temporal, under-the-sun eyes. And there's an even greater glitch, an even greater consequence of chance, and that's in verse 12. This is a real serious one, and we all know of people where this has been a reality, and it's verse 12 where it says, For man does not know his time, like fish that are taken in an evil net, and like birds that are caught in a snare, so the children of men are snared in an evil time when it suddenly falls upon them. Here we have some pictures, images that show us of the sudden nature that death can approach us at any time. I have taught students who are no longer walking under the sun, they have died. I was reflecting on this last night. I was, they, they are no longer here. I am. I taught them. I taught them. And like one of the students I taught, they, they died a week after graduation of year 12. A week. The blossoming, the, of the blooming of life, the opportunities. Death can just suddenly fall upon all of us. Now we use the analogy often, I would go out and get hit by a bus. Sure, that may happen. But you may also, all of a sudden, need a, a triple bypass. And you're 35, 40. Or you might have a stroke. We just can't account for these things. Too many variables. Or you can be driving along, you know, the Harbour Bridge. There's that the Harbour Bridge. If you drive on it, I find it scary. You, you've got these lanes and you have, you're like, there's nothing separating you and the oncoming traffic. And I think it only takes one person under the influence to do a little bit of a swerve and then that's it. You pass from the veil of this reality into the next. And he says, you know, taking an evil net. There is an evilness to life being snatched away in its prime. Life being vulnerable to death at any moment. There is is an evilness to that. Now, as Christians, we have the knowledge that in God's sovereignty, it's all according to his plan. God is the one who gives breath and takes breath away, as we read in Job and elsewhere. And yet there is a blessing. There is a gift in life as well that we are to rightfully celebrate as well. God is not a God of death, but of a God of life as well. Uh, So when we we see that, that death can come at any point, it is to draw for us the realisation that according to chance under the sun here, death could happen at any point. And then to draw that reality into our mind so that we get a heavenly perspective above the sun to realize, are we living in step and in faith in reality with Christ? Are we actually being gentlemen who are walking in the way of the Lord? Call your days to your mind so that you can use them. You can redeem the time for his glory. Because we, just like a fish, is unsuspectingly caught in a net. Our time could be up, and that's it. Time could be up, and that's it. Let's move on now to the next um, section I want us to look at in Ecclesiastes, and that's Ecclesiastes eight fourteen. So Ecclesiastes eight fourteen, and it's it's connected to this this idea that in in injustice. There's an injustice to chance. Things that can happen that just seem unfair, not right. And we're going to see this in Ecclesiastes 8:14. There are righteous people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the wicked, and there are wicked people to whom it happens according to the deeds of the righteous. Prosperity and hardship are not indicators of your relationship with God. They are not signposts of your condition with God. You may be in the very throes of hardship right now. And that is not to say that you do not have the favor of God. Indeed, you may have more favor of God, in a sense, because he is disciplining you. Because you are his son. In a sense, because he is refining you through the fires of persecution to bring out the gold in you. But it can be hard. I had this thought yesterday, actually. I don't know where it came from. I have no idea where it came from. It was a momentary thought. It's not a thought I normally get. But I was looking around at the gym. I thought, these guys, they don't have to worry about living a Christian life. And they seem happy. They seem happy. You know, they're enjoying life, prosperous. They're living as they please. and I don't know where it came from. But... But we can be tempted, can't we, at points to think, you know, being a Christian is a lot of denial, a lot of putting death to self. I know Jesus said you must pick up your cross and die to yourself. But sometimes I just want to do me for a bit. You know, the relentless grind of the monotony of life, the relentless grind of family life, the relentless grind of disciplining your children in the fear of the Lord. And all trying to do it as a Christian. It's just one more burden I have to have. And we lose that joy. We lose that joy. But keeping this verse in our mind. And in the wisdom of Ecclesiastes here. That even though it may be at times. That you feel as though you're experiencing a degree of unrighteousness. Like Job. Cries out to God in his suffering. He's been afflicted by God um, through the Satan. And he says, God, you know, this is not right. This is not fair. This is not right. This is not fair. That I, a righteous person, am suffering. for the Suffering as though I've been wicked. And Job's friends come to him and they say, Job, it's because you're wicked. You've done something. You've been sinful. That is why you are suffering. And Job continuously defends himself. He says, no, I am not wicked. I am righteous. I am righteous. I am righteous. And he was actually righteous. He was blameless. Um to the extent of not doing a deliberate, grievous sin against God. But he calls out to God. He says, God, you are treating me unfairly. And I read it in my devotions this week. He says, you know, if only I had a media who kind of stepped in the in the path of me and God, someone to speak for me. Because he feels, he says, how can I compete with God? I'm paraphrasing here. You know, how can I, how can I even stand before him? He's God who makes everything. How? I can't. Why? I'm righteous. Why am I suffering as though I am wicked? But then God reveals himself to him. He didn't have to. God does not have to answer to anyone. He does not answer to anyone. But in his mercy, in his condescension, he, he reaches out to Job. And he shows Job the world. He testifies to Job about the magnificence of his creation. And he says, can you control any of this? Can you tell me how any of this works? Can you give me a picture of how you, how you could even do anything like this? Mastery of the elements, the amazing hiddenness of creatures and, and beauty and things like that. Hidden mysteries beyond Job's control. And he is left with this reality of being humbled before God in dust and ashes, Saying, I, I, I know nothing. My knowledge is thwarted. He says, how unsearchable are God's judgment? How ins- inscrutable his ways is what Paul says. And Job says something along those lines as well. Because Job, Job had made the mistake of thinking. Job had made the mistake of thinking that there's a correlation between righteousness and and fairness, and justice. There isn't. Under this side of heaven, under this heaven, under the sun, there are times when, as we live righteously in Christ by His grace and power, we will receive injustice. We will receive things in life that seem unfair, that seem wicked. But they are not out of the scope of God. They under heaven, it may seem like chance. For Job, he didn't know it was a test. He did not know. He actually never finds out that it was a test throughout the whole book. We know as a reader it was a test. We know he didn't. He had no idea. He was being treated, as he thought, like a wicked person. But it was a test. It was a character. He was actually glorifying God in his suffering. And so too, when we raise our eyes above those situations in our lives, which challenge and press us and make us, you know, might be the constant struggle of illness. Why do I have to continuously struggle with this particular illness? Why me, God? It's not fair. I want to be there for your kingdom. I want to do more ministry for you, but I can't because I have this illness. Why don't you get rid of it? I want to serve you. It's not right. Don't I want to do the kingdom work? I could, I could lead a growth group. I could, I could do extra evangelism. I could do all of this stuff for you if you just took this illness away. Isn't that a righteous request in a sense? A question that could come in our hearts. But there isn't an equation that the righteous will receive reward in a sense under this sun. But when we go above the sun, we recognize that God disciplines his he disciplines his sons. Gents, he disciplines you. Why? Because he loves you. And his love is not soft love. It's love that's like a chisel blowing away at the calluses that form on our heart. It's like a blowtorch burning away that dross, refining the gold. That's our God. When we go above the sun, we say, How unsearchable are your ways. I don't understand, but how unsearchable are your ways. And in humility, I entrust myself to you. Well, now we have seen that chance, from the pictures we've seen so far, chance appears to be a reality and could, if we let it, dominate our perspective. But when we go above the sun, we realise God is in control. And we're going to see this particularly... That we, we need to not live in fear. Even though chance and variables we cannot control, we ought not to live in a posture of fear. What's gonna happen next? You know, when when is a disaster gonna befall me? When am I gonna experience hardship? Uh, we need to press into persevering in faithful living as we go. So our final passage today is from Ecclesiastes eleven six. Ecclesiastes eleven six. Ecclesiastes 11.6 says this in the morning sow your seed and at evening withhold not your hand for you do not know which will prosper this or that or whether both alike will be good now in an agrarian society planting your seed was necessary for you to eat now we're quite removed from that that delicious barbecue out there good food None of us had any contact with actually growing it or producing it. Certainly none of us beheaded a chook um, like Riley has to get it done, right? None of us. Um, But in an agrarian society, you have to be the one to go out there to sow, to make it grow, to provide food and prosperity for your family. So I believe this verse is telling us that, yes, chance is a reality. And we, we read at the second half of it, Uh, that you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good, but there is a faithfulness, a duty in pressing forward in our responsibilities. As men, pressing forward and taking care of our families, spiritually leading our families, A, a responsibility to be faithful at work with our time, faithful at work with our service, a responsibility to sow into relationships around us for the good of them. There is a responsibility to be industrious despite the reality that all your hard work might go down the toilet. It might. Despite the reality that you have worked so hard, you have exercised, you have lost that weight and then you end up with that diagnosis. Despite the fact that it appears as though It's not good at times. We are to press in, knowing that we don't know whether it's going to be good or bad. We just have to be faithful. God expects us to be productive, to be industrious, to be men of character who are not sluggards. The book of Proverbs is full of this. We do not let chance go and follow and say, well, I don't know if it's going to work or not. I'm not going to do it today you know what, I've got uh, that sermon to prepare, but you know what, the Spirit could move powerfully on that day. <laughs> uh, or, you know, we can't fold our hands and say, you know what, I've got that work brief that I've got to do. I've got to talk about the next moves we've got to take as a company, otherwise we're going to lose millions of dollars. But you know what, I think the company is going to lose millions of dollars anyway. I look at the stock market where it's headed. You can't, we can't do that. We're called to an industrial faithfulness. We are not to be sluggards. And this is repeated in the New Testament. Paul says, he says, if anyone is not willing to work, let him not eat. Thanks, Paul. Nice and blunt. For we hear that some among you walk in idleness, not busy at work, but busy bodies. We are to be busy, industrious men at work. Now such persons we command and encourage in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is what he says, to do their work quietly and earn their own living. This is coming from the Apostle Paul who would go to a city not knowing whose were Christ in that city, but faithfully preaching, being industrious, to get up there and to preach, knowing that he'd probably be stoned, beaten, thrown in prison, put in shackles. This is the Paul who does this, who works faithfully. He works two jobs: full-time pastor and tent maker. Because he understood, he didn't know whether. The results would be good or bad in terms of response from people. When he talks to the Athenians, he didn't know which ones were going to be receptive to his words, which ones were not. But he knew the reality that God had his chosen selected elect who he would reach. And he would sow the good word to them. So they would grow in godliness. By acceptance of Jesus Christ as he would transform them and create a harvest, a crop of sons, spiritual sons. Paul was industrious because he knew what lay before him and why it was important. Likewise, gents, when you're working hard at work and you're sowing the seed of your faithfulness. Yes, it may grow up and it looks pretty weak. I planted some sunflowers with my daughter and... They were pretty sad, to be honest. We've got some good ones, but they were pretty sad. Wilter and Twice pulled up some, you know, we couldn't account for that. Um, I'm sure some birds came and ate some seeds as well. But it didn't matter. The joy that Amalia got from seeing some sunflowers was worth it. You should have seen her face. Oh, Dad, Dad, this is, look at the sunflower. There was one good one, like one really good one. You know, we've got to be faithful in that, Jen We've got to press in too. We don't let the, the harvest determine the sowing. We sow, we sow, we sow. God grows. God uses our faithfulness in the ordinary as well as the extraordinary as well. So when we are under the sun, we can see that, yes, there are too many variables. Why bother? When we go above the sun, God is sovereign and he is working his will and purpose and he is working it through you, through you. You are his hands, his feet that he has chosen for his divine reasons, which is beyond mystery, that he would choose weak sinners like us to work for him. So we've seen today different angles of chance, but the reality is chance is only an illusion if you have if you lack spiritual eyes. It is a reality for those that are in the world. They only live in this spectrum where chance is a reality, variables that they can't control. But in Christ, brothers, we have this hope, we have this assurity that God did not leave your salvation to chance. You were saved. By the deliberate plan of God. We read in Revelation, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Before this world began to spin on its axis, God had you in mind. He had you as a son. Fathom that for a moment. Think of this world and the space in which it it inhabits. Think of all of the myriad of creatures. Think of all of the people. And yet we're told his faithful elect have been chosen before the foundation of the world. And he went to guarantee it. He sent his son from heaven. He came from above heaven, where he ought to be. The transcendent, the ultimate, the omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. Humbles himself, empties himself, we read. And he becomes human. He condescends to become human, to enter into our space of chance and chaos and dirtiness and and pain, and suffering. But he came because he was not going to leave it to chance. He is a God who has predetermined by his sovereign will that he will redeem his sons. And he has saved you. He worked as a faithful man for 30 years. He worked. Is there anything noteworthy about it? No, it's not even really talked about in Scripture at all. But he was faithful. He was working. He was doing, as we read he grew up in, Statue and favourite people, and he was faithful in that. And Christ, because he knew there was no chance of us redeeming ourselves, he did what we could not do. We cannot control sin, we have no mastery over the destructiveness that reigns in our heart. No mastery. And yet he said, I'm going to go to that cross. We read that he fixes his eyes upon the cross. There were numerous opportunities for him to turn away. Numerous times when there were chances for him to turn and go a different path. But he was not going to leave it to chance. Because of his father's heavenly plan. He submitted in obedience to the father. And he went to that cross. And on that cross, he purchased forever you. He has left no chance. And if you are in Christ, Jens, this is the reality. Nothing, no chance, nothing can touch your salvation in Christ Jesus. Nothing. Your soul is secured. You can be stripped bare of everything. You can lose all your work opportunities. You can lose all your talents, lose all your abilities. You can be stripped of physical health that you're incapacitated and you're like Stephen Hawking in a wheelchair. You can be stripped of absolutely everything. But you cannot be stripped of the security that you have in that reality that Christ has purchased your salvation and it is guaranteed, guaranteed. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come back and you are His. That's the reality, gents. Let's press into that and know that in Christ, in Christ, despite the seeming chance that happens around us, we have His grace and security. Amen. All right, let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace, your kindness, your goodness to us. We don't deserve it. We don't deserve it. And yet, you you have called us your sons. We are your sons. We are related by the blood of Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that. Jesus, we do not deserve you to have stepped down from heaven to become human like us. To enter our messiness, our lack of control in this sin riddled world. And yet you did it. We are forever in your in your in gratitude. Open our spiritual eyes to see more of heaven's reality, pierce into this earthly reality, and then go out and share others, share with others this great news that we have. In your name through Jesus Christ. Amen.